This is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe, and notifier button so you can be aware whenever a new episode is available. Also, leave a comment and a review. We would really appreciate that. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Welcome, everybody, to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Switzer. I am your host. I'm the Clydesdale. We love to do fitness, and these are my friends. Got my co-host, Amy Radowski, with me, hey. and the wily veteran, Tim Paulson. What's Not much. How are you? Good. I like this lighting. It makes my beard look nice and red. It good, does. Uh, I was thinking that. <laughs> it's a good light. We're ready to go. But no, I'm great. Uh, yeah, just finished training for the day, so that's all done. Um, this is just a seltzer, everybody. Don't worry. Um, not, not a beer. Um <laughs> But yeah, so got some body work done, feeling good, and excited to chat. Yeah, last time we saw you, or I saw you, was on the Savon podcast, and you were eight beers in, I think, is what you said. Just a couple, yeah. <laughs> just just celebrating yes. the, uh, it was a couple hours after we'd found out the results of the last chance qualifier. I was killing some time with my buddies on the golf course, so yeah, we were taking a couple tall boys and the party continued because we got good news and it was a much happier party than it, uh, than it could have been. Definitely. Yeah, deserved. You, you killed it. Thank you. Yeah. That was, yeah, we, we found out, I mean, yeah, it, I, the, the blind leaderboard stuff is so stressful as an athlete. Cause obviously like, you know, being in person, you're able to see the results, you see yourself in the field for one, and then the leaderboards updated within an hour. So, you know, kind of where you're at, whereas the yeah, last chance qualifier, those online ones are so stressful just cause it's like, all right, well, I know my fate at four o'clock and I uh, got to kill time until then. Uh, but obviously, yeah, when we found out and got the good news, we had to pull the car over and celebrate like uh, little crazy high school boys, just kind of rabble rousing, hugging each other, screaming at the top of our lungs. So it was it was awesome. And definitely, I mean, I wouldn't say un- unexpected to a certain extent. You know, I was I was pretty confident that I could qualify um, based on just kind of my fitness, where I was at the field, the workout, stuff like that. But I wasn't really expecting to win. So when my buddy told me that I won, like I was a little surprised, but also not you know, like, you know, like a mix of both. Obviously you're confident in yourself as an athlete, but still a little shocked when you, when you win. So I have a, a weird question for you. You, you grew up as a hockey player. <clears throat> Celebrations are legendary in the hockey world. <laughs> they are. So if you would have got your spot at the Granite games, you would have been on the podium, like out there on the field, blah, blah, blah. But by winning the last chance qualifier, you were with all your buddies. Yeah. <laughs> which which was sweeter? Honestly, it's yeah, it's kind of wild. Like because it went well, obviously, you know, it's kind of it was definitely really nice to do it and be completely surrounded by my family. You know, like my dad was there, my two of my best friends were there. Um, you know, I was driving home to obviously see my wife and my son. Uh, we had some other friends at the house as well. So it was definitely very sweet to get to celebrate that moment with some of the people I care about most in the world. Um, and obviously some of them would have been at Granite Games too. Um, excuse me. But to have that like immediate feedback of like, I won big hugs was definitely really cool. Um, and I mean, it's, it's something I'll, you know, I'll always remember like, uh, you know, from kind of my athletic career, 
I've qualified for the games a lot of different ways. I've qualified through the Open. I've qualified through semifinals. I've qualified through a last chance qualifier. And they're all special in their own way. Um, and this one definitely will, will be the same. You know, it's it was atypical, and it was not the the way I was hoping to qualify this year. But um, it was definitely very special. It was, it was very cool and a very big confidence boost for me kind of, uh, you know, to put up those performances and to, you know, to beat some really fit guys only a couple weeks out from the games. Yeah, and, you, and you're you going start to off. Six- yeah, this will be my six straight. Yeah, six straight CrossFit games, um, which is pretty pretty wild to like to think like to kind of like take a step back and appreciate because like you know as an athlete you're you're always in the day to day. You're focusing on your process. You're just trying to focus on getting you know executing as well as you can, getting better than you were yesterday. Like you know, I think that's the mindset that a lot of the top guys in the sport have. You're not really concerned with the big picture at any point in the season, other than maybe a few times when you take a step back. Um, and it's been that way for years now, you know, like, like it's been just such a rush of like, you you know, open semifinals, regionals, whatever games, small off season back to the grind, you know, like, like there's not a whole lot of time to really step back and appreciate what I've been able to do over my career. And I think part of that is, you know, I've made a lot of really great memories and I definitely don't, um, you know, I feel like I've lived in the moment a lot over my career and I've taken a lot of really special moments away with me. Um, but not until I'm done, I think, will I kind of be able to step back and really appreciate like the gravity of, you know, just what it means to be at the top of the sport for, for so long. Um, like that definitely has not settled in partially because I'm not done yet. So. (laughs) Yeah. When you go over five, you're in that upper pantheon of people who have been in the sport a long time. And I know that it's, you're not, laying back and and enjoying it right at the moment but at some point you will and you'll share that with your son and and all of that kind of stuff um the weekend didn't start off as good as i think you hoped but then and then it like lit fire (laughs) into a huge um combustion um by because you started 14th and then second second first yeah strong finish um yeah so i mean the first workout it was kind of the like there was a lot more strategy than I think anyone gave it credit for because like you look at it, it's like two minutes, two minutes. So you don't have a whole lot of time to mess around, but there is definitely a strategy. And I don't think we, we did not do the strategy we probably should have. Um, you know, like, so you look at a guy like Royce Dunn, uh, his strategy was blackout for two minutes and then hope you don't die. And it worked out really well because he got 24 bar muscle ups in the first, you know, his score was like 30 and he got 24 reps in the first window. So like, whereas we were of the mindset, we're like, okay, well maybe we try and split like, you know, 15, 16, and then, you know, 14, 15 on the back. Like that was kind of our thought process because our target was 30 reps. You know, we thought that would be a good score. And it was, it was top five. Like that was a very good finish in the workout. Um, But I think a lot of the guys that did well went, ham on the first window and just sold their soul and then just kind of let it fall apart in the back, which didn't really occur to us um, just to even try that. You know, like we, we didn't think that would be a wise strategy. And it turns out it was actually, it was what a lot of guys did. And it was what a lot of the guys did who did well. Um, And, you know, so I think that was maybe a little bit of strategic, um, you know, kind of a strategic fault on our end. Um, You know, we definitely, could have like the thrusters in the first set, like, again, I'm, I'm pretty good at thrusters. I'm a strong guy. So I could have pushed those harder and just kind of gone for the moon on the muscle ups, but again, just didn't, you know, didn't occur to us. Um, but yeah, and obviously did you repeat three workouts, any workouts? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think just, 
the culmination of the weekend, especially as they got longer, they got more volume demanding. Like, yeah, you could have maybe repeated the first workout, but even then, I mean, you know, slamming out 80 thrusters and 80 bar muscle ups instead of 40 and 40, obviously I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like, that's a big difference. And especially knowing for me that the next three workouts were all pr pretty good. Like they were pretty strong events for me, as long as I executed them, we didn't want to take away from that. So we just kind of wanted to give that one our best of what we thought. And like I said, maybe a little bit of a strategic, uh, you know, kind of slip up in how we approached it, but still did, you know, well enough. Um, and then obviously just kind of blacked out to the moon for the rest of the, the rest of the weekend. So yeah, it was a, definitely a weakish start, but strong finish otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I loved that first workout. I wish so bad that we could have watched it. Yeah. That one would have been like a that... very cool. I mean, honestly, a lot of the events other than event two, um, you know, maybe not as fun to watch as a race because obviously most of the workout was on the rower, but I mean, event one, event three would have been awesome to watch in person. Like if, especially if there's like advancing barbells down a floor or, you know, like that would have been a really cool one to see people race on. Um, and even event four, I mean, you know, if you toss it up to a semifinal, you advance the box every 10, like that could definitely be a cool one to watch as well, as much as it's, you know, again, not really the sexiest workout in the world to watch. Um, but yeah, event one also would have been a great workout to be racing, you know, just as an athlete, that would have been a really good one to kind of know where other people were. Um, especially because the last three workouts were very much, I would say like kind of internal workouts, like you have a certain level of comfort fitness and you just need to, you need to stay at 90% pace and you need to have the throttle down the whole workout. There's no, there was no strategy on event three and event four. It was just, you need to work really hard. That's it. Like, you know, there's no coming out slow, then speeding up. It's like, no, you got to go at the pace that you think is intelligent and ish. And you just got to hold it and stay uncomfortable the whole time. Um, whereas yeah, event two had a little bit of strategy, obviously, as far as not blowing yourself up on the row or knowing what you could do on the handstand walk, stuff like that. Yeah, I what I love watching when I, why mm -hmm. I love watching you so much is you know where your strength is and you know where it's time to hit the gas, right? And so you can see it in a workout. Tim's just doing his thing; he's not getting sucked into everything else. And then now it's time to go. And yeah. that first workout is one of those where people could get sucked in. Yeah. And it would have been fun to watch. I mean, especially because most of the guys were sending it anyway. Like, you know, like again, Royce went unbroken for 20 thrusters and then just hung on to the pull-up bar until he couldn't until time ran out. Like that would have been, if I had seen someone doing that out of the corner of my eye, I might've been like, screw the strategy off we go. It's a two minute workout. Like, let's just kind of figure it out. Um, but yeah, the other three, you know, I think they were actually, they were, they were great tests and they set themselves up well for me because they were very much race yourself workouts, you know, like, like the rowing workout, you know, it's, you have to row the pace that you think you should, like, you can't get caught up in trying to row someone else's pace because it might mess you up for the handstand walks. Event two, you know, it's just a grindy workout. It's easy to bleed time. Like if you're running a little too slow, if you're taking an extra breath in between reps on the barbell, but like, you know, that's just an internal thing. Like if someone else next to you isn't taking a breath, that's not going to change how you approach that workout for me anyway. And then same thing for the last workout. I mean, honestly, I was pretty much blacked out from after the first round. I don't, I don't remember much of the second round. So I don't, even if I was racing, I don't think I would have seen another soul. Um, you know, if I'm being honest. Wow. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit of the granite games. Um, I talked to you. I, it, I think it was like Saturday event for after the Minnesota mashup. Yeah. I think it was Saturday morning, Saturday midday, like Saturday afternoon after the first event. Yeah. And 
you in that event you were in last place in your heat coming into i think it was muscle ups yeah and that was you and you told me flat out that was the plan yeah <laughs> and then you hit the switch and boom there goes tim yeah i mean that worked like i love my coach has definitely yelled at me in the past for He's like, remember, you can't do that in all the workouts. Like sometimes you need to come out with the field and then, you know, you need to race at the front. He's like, but depending on the test, depending on where my strengths lie, like obviously he knows that that's something like he knows that at this point I know myself well enough that, you know, when a workout that's long like that with a lot of volume, he's like, I know where to push and where not to. And, you know, that was like it started with GHDs. We're obviously not going to push that movement. It's not strong for me. So I was already behind there. And then at that point, it was just kind of staying in my lane because. I knew that the workout was for the most part going to be won or lost coming out of the muscle ups. So who handled the muscle ups the best. And if you went a little too hot going into them and you fell apart a bit there, like that could definitely ruin your workout. So I knew that going into it. So my only strategy for that workout was to come to get to the muscle ups feeling good so I could attack them. Uh, and I could, you know, make sure that I knew I'd hit the split that I wanted to there. I could not bleed 30, 45 seconds over the field because after that, it's just a, we like to call it a full googie workout. Like you're just kind of like after the muscle ups, it was just blackout and go. It was like double unders, wall balls, more wall balls, the cleaning jerks. Like, you know, at that point it was just a fitness workout. And I was like, if I can get out of the muscle ups in near the top of the pack, I know I have enough fitness to execute the rest of the workout. So it was just making sure that I got to that point in the workout where I needed to be so that I could put the throttle down and try and, you know, try and make some moves, which I did. So yeah, that one was a pretty, pretty solid execution on the whole. I was pretty happy about that. And the exact opposite would have been, oh, go ahead, Amy. Go ahead. It's my internet. I'm so sorry. Um, so we've heard several athletes kind of talking about the platforms. And so when you were doing the strength event, did you notice that the platforms were slippery or were you just like, this is just a regular day? Here we go. No, the platforms were kind of a dumpster fire. Um, not because they were slippery. They were actually really good about like they brushed them off before every uh, heat came out. And, you know, obviously I had my shirt, so you could kind of wipe it off if it was a little chalky or anything like that. Granite Games, you're on a field, so there's some of those black granules. But like I said, they I was just very cognizant about hitting my feet before I stepped on the platform to knock any of them off so that I didn't have any slippage. Uh, but the, honestly, the pain in the butt part was that the rubber platforms outside of the wood were all very uneven. So my first clean and jerk complex, I hit my first clean. I was good. And then when I went to touch and go the second one, the barbell hit unevenly and bounced funny. And like that kind of set me up. I was like, oh shit. And then the third clean was the same way. It hit between two tiles, bounced funny. So it just made it a little obviously harder than it would have been otherwise if you were bouncing, like bouncing, if you were touching going off of a clean surface. Um, but I was able to adjust for my second and my third complexes. I was like, okay, you need to set the barbell up differently. Like you need, you can't lift off of the kind of the two thirds mark of the platform because you're going to be on a crack. So you need to either lift right in the middle or you need to lift right on the front. So kind of know where your miss is going to be. Like if I'm going to miss a clean, I'm probably going to miss it, um, in front of me. And I generally don't miss jerks. So I was like, I wasn't worried about that. So I was like, all right, during the cleans line up in the front, uh, because you know, I'm, I have a tendency to jump back a little bit when I lift. So I was like, okay, rather than being jumped jumping back to the edge of the platform, make sure you're far enough forward for the jerk. Uh, so it required a little bit of adjustment um, and obviously an ideal situation, you know, those black, the little squares that go up again, they're just kind of a pain to lift off of sometimes, but you can make adjustments. And I wouldn't say it affected the event much. It just required some adjustments during the first, the first round of the complex. The other event on day one was the version of Fran, <laughs> the handstand walk thruster. You won that event. 
Um, and that was one that there was no strategy. It was just all gas all the way. Yeah. To the point where there's a lot of people talking about how the transitions are actually turning into a movement for that workout. You have to follow, you almost had to follow the bar down and your hands down for the handstand walk and right up and go. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Like you see, you know, like the speed ladders at the games are another great example. Like, especially, you know, again, examples like the clean and jerk ladder from 2018, like it start went light next round, got heavier, next round, got heavier. And when those rounds are light, like how you jump over the barbell is going to save you a ton of points. Like how you press the bar down, how you leap over it, how quickly can you grip the bar? Like, you know, depending on the event, I mean, transitions definitely make a difference. Um, and, you know, for that event, it was definitely true as well. There was obviously a little bit more like, you know, depending on who you were, knowing your ability to handstand walk under fatigue was critical because for me, I know that I can handstand walk under pretty much any circumstance. So I was like, thrusters are at a lights out pace. You're not pausing. You're not anything like it's, it's as if you're doing Fran, like you're pulling the bar down, you're squatting as quickly as you can, because I knew that I could handstand walk under any circumstance. Um, but it was another great workout where it was just blinders on the whole time. Cause it's so fast. You can't look around like you can't, you don't have time to look left and see where someone is on their thrusters or, you know, you're just like, all right, I'm going to go as fast as I think I should. And hopefully it's enough. And obviously, you know, I, I didn't hear, I don't think I got to the handstand walk first in the final set. I think there was one or two people on their hands before me, maybe. Um, but I was like, once I was upside down, I was like, all right, it does like someone could be ahead of you and they could not. So I was just going to go try and go unbroken. And if I failed, I failed. Um, and obviously I was able to hold on and broken for the last section. And needless to say, I was pretty fired up when I crossed the finish line and realized that no one else was around. So yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty awesome way to start the weekend. Yeah. And then we'll talk about the one elephant in the room and that is legless rope climbs. Oh yeah. It's a big old elephant. Yeah. Um, we know that that was an issue in 2019. It was an issue at the Granite Games. How much are you hoping you don't see them at the games? Honestly, I'd love to see them at the games. Like it's as much as it's my, you know, it is my weakest movement in CrossFit, hands down. So, you know, we weren't obviously thrilled when a, a semifinal workout was literally how fast can you do this one singular thing? And it happens to be the one singular thing that I'm weakest at comparative to the field. Um, so, you know, that's a bummer. Um, but I've talked at length with like my coach and my wife, you know, we've made so much progress there. And I think mentally I haven't quite caught up physically to where my abilities are currently. So like, if I look at that workout for me and I was talking to my wife, the other, like just yesterday, I did a bunch of sets of like touch and go doubles and triples legless rope climbs and training. And it's like, you know, I used to have to chalk every one to two reps because I didn't have the grip strength to hold on and in my mind, I haven't caught up to the fact that I don't need to do that anymore. Like I've, I've gotten much better at this movement and I need to trust my training and trust that newfound skill set a little bit more. And at Granite Games, honestly, it was a prime example. Like I finished five rounds and after five rounds, I was like, in my head, I remember thinking like, oh my God, like you have to chalk. You have to, like, you're going to, like, you're going to fail soon. Your grip's going to slide, like whatever. And I did it like, but I did anyway, because it was a habit. And then I chalked again after like seven and again after nine. And it was like, Again, when you're looking at a workout like that, if I had gone, I think it's like eight seconds faster in that workout, I would have qualified at Granite Games. So it's like, you know, eight seconds is easily the three times I picked over, I, I bent over for chalk during my runs, you know? So it's like, it's little things like that where I was happy with the execution on game day, but I finished and I was like, shit, like 
you that like I was never near failure and I probably should have been like I should have been closer to failure if I was pushing that workout as hard as I could have. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of learning to do. And like, obviously, that's a big piece of training right now is like trying to fit like mentally match myself to my current physical capacity, especially in movements where I'm weak. Like, you know, in movements that I'm strong, I have no I have no problems being confident and just attacking. And now I need to start to change that mindset a little bit through training, through experimentation of like, all right, what do, what do I need to do for legless now? Because I'm not the same athlete I was two years ago. You know, like I need to figure out like, what is my new fatigue level? What, you know, like where does the fatigue happen? Is it bicep? Is it lat? Is it forearms? Like, you know, where do I start to feel it? How does that change my technique? So there's like, there's a lot to learn. And for a movement like that, where again, it is like, you have to ride the line really close because like when they're gone, they're gone. And when they're there, they're there. And there's no in between. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of learning left to do there. Um, so, I mean, I, I would like to get a chance to test them out of the games. I would like that. It wouldn't be just those. I would like to do something else with them. Um, that would be nice. (laughs) So the competition is getting better and better and better every year, which is a testament to you qualifying six times, right? As, as the competition is getting better, you are too. But because of that, the, um, margins of error are getting smaller and smaller. So has CrossFit become one of those things where you have to push, push to the edge of the cliff and know where it is and hang there without falling off? Yeah. I mean, at the, at the highest levels of CrossFit, yes. Um, you know, so like, again, if I reflect on my weekend at Granite Games, you know, again, I came eighth. Um, I was in sixth going into the final event. I think I was only a couple points back. Um, but you know, so when I look at the weekend as a whole, like I missed a snatch in the Saturday night event. So the speed chipper with the power snatches, chest to bars, the more shuttle runs, um, you know, I missed a snatch in the back half. I think it was like my 11th rep on the second set of 16. Um, and, you know, it was, I was powering, powering, and all of a sudden I was in a squat and I didn't, I wasn't expecting it at all. And I'm generally good at that transition, but it just caught me by surprise. So I ended up in a squat, missed it forward, bar rolled off the platform. I had to pull it back on. And I blew up easily 15 seconds on that missed lift with getting the bar back, things like that. And again, you look at that workout, like 15 seconds is like four places higher, five places higher. So it's like, and again, it was one missed lift. So it's there, the margins in the sport are definitely thin enough now, especially if you're looking at making and performing well at the games. Yeah. They're that narrow. Like you, you need to ride those lines and those little minutia matter a ton. You know, like, again, there were, even rewind a couple of years, like 2017, 2018, like you could have a blow up event at regionals and you could still qualify hands down, no questions asked. Whereas now, I mean, that's absolutely not the case anymore. So, you know, obviously every event's going to be different. You know, you're going to have like strategy is not always going to be ride the cliff line, but you need to be willing to do it. I would say more often than not. (laughs) So the other elephant in the room is that somebody from Grand Games um, just recently tested positive for um, PEDs, which would have had a different outcome at Grand Games. Maybe not necessarily for your placement, and you might have still gone to the last chance qualifier, but but it could have. And it certainly makes those athletes who are 6th, 7th, and 8th work that much harder because then they have to compete at another event to try to qualify. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, my thoughts on like the, the Phil Toon situation, exactly. I mean, honestly, like, I think he's a great kid. Like I've, 
it feels weird calling him a kid, but I am 32 and he is like 23. So a, a little bit, I guess I was a child when I was 23 still for sure. But like, he, he seems like a really good guy. You know, I've, I've chatted with him at Wadapalooza. I interacted with him a lot at the Granite Games. Like he's got a good head on his shoulders. You know, he, he, I was really surprised. Um, and it does sound like, you know, based on kind of like listening to his, I haven't done any research personally, but seeing some of the research other people have done, it does seem, I think legit that it was like a hair growth supplement and like, it wasn't necessarily a performance enhancing thing, which really sucks because that just sucks. Like, like that's just brutal. And like, it's one of those things where he could have maybe had a TUE for it. Like if he had reached out beforehand, like he could have gotten a therapeutic use exemption. So like, if you know, if he had known, he might've been able to avoid the problem completely. Um, but I mean, my thoughts on PDs as a whole, like it's sport, people are going to cheat, you know, like people are going to try and gain an advantage, you know, it's like, I guess to me, it all comes down to like, I mean, just morality for the most part. Like, like I, I could never cheat in good conscience because it's just not, I don't believe in taking shortcuts, you know, like, and I think again, I'm, this is completely unrelated to Phil. I don't think Phil took shortcuts, yeah, but I'm saying sure. you, you yeah. are seeing people like, yeah, you're seeing people just admitting like, Hey, I cheated. Or you're seeing people like, you know, saying, claiming tainted supplement, but it's always tainted for the same two things and Duraball and Osterine. So it's like, is the contamination of those two things really that prevalent or what's the kind of story here? So I definitely have some questions in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it sucks to see, uh, you know, but I think at the end of the day, you know, I guess my dad raised me on kind of the good person theory. Like you do the right thing, you work hard and hopefully good things come to you. Like that's the only way you can really kind of go through life. And that's the way I've always gone through it is just trying to do things the right way. And if you keep doing them the right way long enough, hopefully you kind of get the results that you're, that you're looking for. Um, I mean, as far as like tainted supplements go, I mean, I actually, so I haven't taken a supplement in like three and a half years. Um, partially because again, like the, like they, a study was done recently as high as 20% of over-the-counter supplements contain a banned substance. Um, and like, those are really bad odds, like one in five that, that <laughs> I wouldn't take, like, if you yeah. told me there's a one in five chance you would die, I would not do that activity. Like, you know, like it just seems like it's <laughs> yeah. such a, you know, with just how unregulated, unregulated the supplement industry is honestly, like to me, like the risk benefit came down to, I was like, I don't think I'm getting that much benefit from my creatine, from my beta alanine, from my whatever, like from my protein shake, I can eat chicken instead. Like, so for me, like I said, like three, three and a half years ago, I just stopped taking supplements. Um, and I've never felt better taking drug tests. Cause I'm like, I know that there's literally all I'm doing is eating food. Like it, you know, so if yeah. something does happen, I like it would be, you know, it's so I'm, I would say on the one end of the spectrum, maybe probably a two, maybe too conservative. Cause obviously there's NSF certified supplements. There's things like that where they can batch test, they can trace it. They're held to a higher standard, but even then I just don't want to take the risk. And I don't think that the upsides to my athletic abilities are that great that I'm willing to take the risk of possibly tainting my, my legacy as an athlete by, you know, by failing a drug test. Um, yeah. Like my, <laughs> sorry. Your reputation. <clears throat> yeah, no, hundred percent. And my wife takes C4 in the morning because she, you know, she's like, she works out at five o'clock in the morning before her son gets up. And every single morning I'm like, which cup did you use? And I'm like, you need to put that <laughs> cup in the sink and you need to make sure it doesn't sit out because like, I'm not drinking out of that cup. Like it, it goes that far for me as far as like trying not like trying to make sure that I don't cross any lines with that shit because I'm just not willing to take the risk. 
Um, so yeah, she has special designated cups. She puts them in a designated place. So I know that that's a C4 cup and I don't drink water out of it. I don't like, we don't use it. It goes in the dishwasher before I touch it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, maybe a little too far on one side, but I mean, that's again, part of the price you pay. Well, first of all, we appreciate that your wife uses our sponsor as her, <laughs> as her wake up juice in the morning. Um, <laughs> um, so that's awesome. Second, um, uh, our co-host cat is producing and she was saying that better safe than sorry. It yeah. just, it's a good line to live by. Um, and I've talked to other athletes, like they, they won't touch anything either. Like the story is, I think John Woolley said he took a bar, uh, like a protein bar into cliffside with the Panchek twins and mm-hmm. offered one up to them. And they were like, absolutely not. Like, nope. <laughs> I don't know where that is. I don't know what it's, you know, yeah, and again, so it's just, I don't think you're the only one. I would hope not. <laughs> and yeah, it's definitely like Fraser not using a steak knife. Hundred percent. It's the little. It's sometimes it's a little stupid shit that trips you up, and like that's the last thing you want as an athlete or as anybody. You know, like yeah. So I'm very careful about how I pick my son up in the weeks leading up to competition. Like last thing I need to do is tweak my back trying to pick up a 35 pound wriggling sandbag. Like yeah, it's it's all the little things for sure. And so, well, I guess uh, that's part of the reason why I was bringing up that these these people that had to then maybe potentially go out and do another thing like the last chance qualifier when maybe they could have qualified with the others because what if that gives them potential injury um, because of overtraining yeah. or, and whatnot? No, I mean, it's, that, it's all there. Like, I mean, this season has been long. I mean, it's been <laughs> – we've been riding a fine line for, I mean – Luckily, I've been at this for almost a decade. Like my coach and I have a really good relationship. I know my body really well. Like my wife's a physical therapist. So like she can really kind of help me with kind of keeping injuries at bay. Like if anything feels even remotely off, she can give me some things to do, to work on, to avoid, things like that. So, you know, especially as you, as I get older, like training smarter is definitely at the highlight of what we do. Like I'm not as concerned. Like if I have to modify training day because something feels off, totally fine. Um, you know, it's, I'm totally happy with that now. Whereas when I was younger, that was definitely not the case. You know, when I was 24, five, six, I was definitely doing stupid shit all the time. Um, and yeah, Austin's got a good, uh, I was chatting with Austin a little bit the other day. I was like, yeah, you still feeling fit? He's like, yeah, luckily last chance qualifier. Um, and I mean, I think even talking to my coach a little bit recently, like, you know, we usually train for anywhere from like six to eight weeks leading up to the games after a regional or a semi, there was one year where I qualified out of the open and we were training for the games for like six months. That was way too long. Um, <laughs> So, you know, this year is actually interesting because we were training lower volume, higher intensity stuff up until the last chance qualifier, because that's what semifinals demands. That's what the last chance qualifier demanded. So our games prep period is only like three weeks. So we're both kind of curious, like it may be a blessing in disguise because, you know, games training can wear on you really badly. Like it is, I mean, as anyone knows, it's no joke. I mean, it's four or five, it's four or five hours a day. It's a lot. Um, You know, so I think, it might be a blessing in disguise. We'll find out in, you know, whatever, two and a half weeks. Uh, and Jack, I train. So right now I'm training about f- between, f- I would say four hours a day training. And then another hour and a half each day is designated to like recovery activities, stretching, ice baths, self-care, you know, treatment from uh, massage therapists, chiropractor, things like that. Um, so, I mean, it's probably about five and a half hours a day right now, all said and done as far as like training and training related activities. Uh, but leading into like semifinals, uh, I was about three hours a day. Um, and there was definitely a heavy bias towards one intense workout, one intense lifting piece, and then generally some easier, uh, monostructural type elements to, you know, to build a little bit of volume tolerance while not overdoing it with, you know, kind of the CrossFit side of things. 
So to go back and piggyback off what you were talking about, about the training time to the games, I don't know if you've seen it today because you've been training, but there's been a flurry of positive tests out of Brazil and the Far East. Mm-hmm. And um, there's been talk about should the season be compressed on the front end to give a little more time on the back end to get a leaderboard stabilized in time for everybody to have a fair shake. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd be all about it. You know, I think especially as an athlete, I would love a little bit more. I would love for the intense pieces of the season to be closer together because that allows for better off seasons that allows for better training cycles. You know, it allows for a little bit more development as an athlete rather than, you know, having to go right from one thing to the next. Whereas like, you know, if we do the opening, the quarterfinals are pretty close together. That's nice. Um, and I think especially with the way the season's laid out now, where for your top athletes, the open and the quarterfinals are relatively low stress. Like as long as you perform well, you should make it through both of those phases. So, you know, speaking for me personally, I know some of my friends at the high levels have done this as well. Like, you know, you really start training during the open and you really kind of stay, you st- are still building during quarterfinals. Like you're not necessarily peaking for quarterfinals if you're, if you're at the point in your career where you can trust that you have the fitness to stay in that top, whatever it is, 120, 60, whatever your, your region is. Um, so, I mean, I'd be all for, you know, having semifinals a little closer to quarterfinals because I think a lot of athletes are in a buildup training block through those periods anyway. Uh, you know, so like if semi, if from the open to semifinals is let's say six weeks or, you know, like maybe six to eight weeks, like that's a, that's a good normal training block. And like, you know, so you could be building up through the open through quarterfinals peak for semis. And then if you have a longer block to the games, same thing, hopefully you could have six to eight weeks there, you know, do too many cycles, whatever it is. Um, so I'd be all for it, but it would definitely require a lot more, you know, kind of administration on CrossFit's end as far as like finalizing leaderboards faster, doing video review faster. So it definitely front loads their responsibilities more, but I think it's definitely doable. Like it's not outside of their purview, I would say in any sense. I'm, I'm probably going to jump all over the map at this point, but at Granite Games, it was very unique. They had a community event. And I know like the co-owner of your gym is Eamon, and he competed at the community event at Granite Games while you were competing at the elite level. Do you, th- do you think that that's a, an appropriate way for events to be able to make it profitable for them to hold those events? hundred percent. I mean, honestly, I don't think you can do it without it. Like there's just, I mean, there's just not enough revenue. Like there, there's just, <laughs> Eamon is old. He's actually 10 years, my senior, almost, almost not to the day, but yeah, he's, he's, he's 10 years, my senior. Uh, but yeah, they, I mean, I think, like I said, it's, you know, that's a lot of registrations. That's a lot of butts and seats that create, you know, that's money for vendors. Like I think you kind of have to, uh, to a certain extent to be profitable um, as an athlete, you know, so that from the business standpoint, I think you kind of have to you know, kind of just hands down. I think that's my answer as an athlete. It's a little bit tougher because granted I'm like, I'm a, I'm an old fuddy duddy. I like to go to bed at eight. I get up at five every day. Like that's just kind of our house's routine. You know, my wife and I are both early risers. Our son's up by six, six thirty. So, you know, we're just kind of an early family on the whole. And we've always been that way. Uh, you know, I coached 6am classes five days a week when our gym opened for years. So like my, my internal clock is just kind of set that way. So when I compete, it's definitely a huge adjustment for me as an athlete to be competing at like four o'clock and eight o'clock every day. So, and obviously that's not necessary if you don't have a community division. Like if you look at Mac, Mac had events at like noon and four. As an athlete, I would much rather do that. I would love that schedule. 
Like, you know, that, that is way more comfortable for me personally and requires a lot less uh, kind of thought and routine breaking in the lead up to events. Um, you know, so, so from as an athlete, I would like there not to be because then you can just kind of have events in the prime of the day and you can go on with your with your day and have things a little more normal. Um, but from a business standpoint, I understand why they have to do it. And, you know, as an athlete, it is an adjustment, but it's not the end of the world. Um, the only things that are tough are like, you know, you go to Granite Games and like you've got an eight o'clock event. You don't get back home to your place till 10. You're not in bed till 11 or 1130, wound down, fed, all that stuff. And then you've got an athlete briefing at eight o'clock and you're like, I don't, I don't want to if, if your event is until four, why the hell are you having a briefing at eight? There was some, mis- I think there was, a, there was some missteps this year. Um, and obviously I'm not like, you know, crapping on granite games or anything like that, but there were definitely some, uh, I think that was a missed opportunity to either. And obviously I understand why they're not doing briefings at 10 PM. Cause I don't want to do that shit either. But, you know, I think to a certain right. extent, like there's gotta be a fine, uh, a happy medium where briefings are virtual. And like, I mean, you, it's just, <clears throat> there's enough remote learning now. Show your face, you know, like, like you have to check in on zoom. Like, you know, it's not that hard to check if you're there and you're listening. Like, honestly, if I were watching on zoom, I wouldn't be paying any more or less attention than as if I was sitting on the football field. Like, if you're going to pay attention, you're going to pay attention. If you're not, you're not like plenty of athletes are on their phones, pissing away time when they're, you know, when they're at a briefing, like they're not even listening to half the stuff, you know? So yeah, I, I think it makes sense to do briefings virtually just because, again, it, it removes stress from the athletes and allows you to have a more ideal day. It's a lot easier to check into Zoom at eight o'clock while you're having breakfast instead of dragging your ass out of bed at seven o'clock, you know, after you went to bed at after midnight, um, you know, to try and get over for a briefing. So I think there's definitely there's some room for improvement there. Yeah, I, I have to back you on that as a media member. I didn't get back to the hotel till like 11. Oh, yeah. And- and then you do Uber Eats and there's like three restaurants open and you have very limited selection in what you're buying. Um, yeah. And it's tough. Yeah. 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 Media so, competing. Same thing. Hey, I was tired so too. Far on your body. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all one ecosystem. <laughs> <laughs> Woe is me. Um, anyway. Um, I also, I want to talk about your wife. Um, I actually yeah. got to, I don't even know if you remember this. I met you guys. Um, in the airport at Minnesota in the 21 Granite Games, we flew on yeah. the same flight to Charlotte. Yeah, um, no, I remember. I, we started following each other on Instagram. She is hilarious. Oh, Her she's name fantastic. is Caitlin. She gets up and works out at like four in the morning. She's and she does posts like <clears throat> she has these pads to drop her weights on. And she debates whether she's going to lift or sleep on them. She is, she's a, she's a warrior. Um, you know, I mean, I especially luckily our, I mean, I'm going to, I'm I don't want, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about our son's sleep because I don't want to jinx anything. Um, but you know, so she's always been a morning warrior. Um, you know, especially like she used to go to 6am classes all the time before work. That was her schedule back before we had a kid back before COVID, all that stuff. She would go to the 6am class every day. Uh, and then throughout COVID, we kind of really built out our basement gym. Um, she's a physical therapist. So she works at the hospital. She's got to be in the office by like 7 15, 7 30 every day. And then obviously in the afternoons, she wants to prioritize family time. Like she wants to see Wes. She doesn't want to go to a class after work and miss out on, you know, some time with our son. Uh, so yeah, she's awake at, you know, our alarms, my internal alarm goes off at four 45 and her actual alarm goes off at four 45. And uh, yeah, she gets down in the basement and grinds away for like an hour before he gets up every day. So, I mean, she's, she's awesome. She's definitely, she's a huge part of this journey and she's definitely an inspiration for me. Just, you know, again, like, 
getting it done when it when she can you know like just kind of putting in the work when nobody really wants to she definitely would rather be sleeping <laughs> i uh i saw a post you made thanking her for all that she does for you um and if people don't know she's with you at the granite game she's with you at the games helping you get through the weekend um do you want to talk about that just a little bit yeah i mean honestly like she believed in me before she had any right to you know like we started dating in early 2012 so i mean we've been together for over a decade now um you know she was supporting me when we were operating our gym out of a stinky two-car garage with leaky roofs she supported me when i decided to forego a career in accounting to you know be a small business owner like she she's taken a lot of like she paid the rent when i wasn't getting paid you know i mean like she she supported me in ways obviously emotionally as well as like physically financially when things were tough and things were tight um so i mean yeah this this journey wouldn't be possible without her you know i think just on the whole like having someone who's so supportive and understands that you know the, the toll this takes like trying to excel and trying to like trying to do something at this high of a level is not easy at all any point of the year you know like like there's no downtime it's 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 365 days a year worth of stress um and she handles it like a champ you know especially during competitions things like that you know she tries to make my life as easy as humanly possible like taking as many responsibilities as much as she can to like make life easier for me um you know and again she doesn't have to like you know she could very well be like no go do this shit yourself but like she doesn't you know like she, she wants to try and make she wants to give me the most optimal environment possible to excel when it matters most, you know, and obviously competitions is where that's, where that's the best, um, where that's the most important rather. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, she, I'm going to need you to I speak on this comment down here. <clears throat> I did. Yeah. So I, I, I did meet my wife in an airport. Um, we were, so anyway, I can't say enough about how amazing she is. You know, she deserves all the credit in the world. Um, for it putting is up the with greatest my meat story ever. <laughs> for putting up with my shit as much for as, as anything else. Um, but yeah, so no, my, uh, back in 2012, it was St. Patty's day. I weekend, St. Patty's day weekend. Um, I had just finished my internship with KPMG, uh, to be an auditor. So to go into financial assets, um, was kind of going to be my life. That was what I was going to do. Uh, I just got my job offer. I was on like cloud nine and I was flying down to hang out with some of my buddies who went to a university down in North Carolina. And we got, I saw her in the airport and I was like, Hey, who's, who's the cute redhead. Um, and like I said, I'm not normally the type of person that would go approach a complete stranger in an airport, but I just gotten a big job offer and I was on like cloud nine, just couldn't have been happier with kind of my, my cards in life. So, um, you know, I saw her and I was like, she was getting onto the plane and I was like, wow, she's really cute. And it just so happened that we ended up sitting next to each other. So she like kind of went to put her, uh, bag in the overhead bin. I was like, Hey, can I, can I give you a hand, put your bag up for you? So I did. And then we ended up sitting next to each other and she put her headphones in to try and tell me to fuck off. And I talked to her anyway. So I <laughs> talked through her headphones for like a two and a half hour flight to Charlotte. And I mean, yeah, we just, we really kicked it off. Like she, you know, just had some great conversation, just like really kind of vibed really well. Uh, you know, we landed in the airport, we grabbed a drink, um, you know, just kind of chatted, we exchanged numbers and, that was kind of how we met. And there's a lot more to that story. And I think she would appreciate me to tell the rest of it. Um, so, but anyway, and then I also, I all, I'll divulge this. Um, I pulled, I pulled a slight creeper move. Uh, we were texting throughout the course of the weekend. 
And I was like, yeah, you know, when do you fly back? And, you know, I was like, maybe I'll see you at the airport. And like, she told me like when she was flying out and I was like, all right. So I just Googled flights and I changed my flight to be on the same flight as her coming back. Uh, just so I could get the chance to like see her again and talk to her. Cause I was like, you know, I don't know. I didn't really like, I didn't really obviously know where it was going, but I was like, she was really cool. And I would like to get to talk to her again. So yeah, I paid for a couple hundred bucks to change my flight so I could be on the same flight going back. Um, we didn't sit next to each other, but we did, were on the same flight and we chatted a bit more. And um, yeah, I mean, after that uh, we texted a little bit and a couple of weeks later, maybe like six or eight weeks, we went on our first date and yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. And I think you gave more details when we had you on before when we only had like 50 subscribers yeah. <laughs> and now that we're in the thousands, they get to hear it again. But if you want to hear the full story, because Caitlin was in the room when we interviewed Tim last time. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> and uh, so if you go back to that episode, you get the all the details of that meetup. You'll get her side of the story. <laughs> yeah. So um, back to the games a little bit. Last year, you got injured at the games or were sick or whatever happened. Yeah. And you had to withdraw early. Uh, I, I got cut early. Yeah, I was. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically last year, um, I was one of those very un unlucky gentlemen or lady. I think some of the ladies were sick too. Uh, I had some kind of really awful stomach virus from whether from the lake or otherwise. Uh, so the first day of competition, Wednesday, uh, I spent Tuesday night, like kind of puking, running out of both ends. I wasn't able to eat. So like the entire competition day, Wednesday, I don't think I had more than like an apple. Um, like I was, I was nauseous trying to force food down and I just, I had absolutely no gas. Um, so the whole Wednesday was basically honestly a throwaway. Like it was, I was just trying to survive. I was trying to give it the best I had, but I had no energy felt awful. Um, and then by Friday morning I was feeling better. So like Thursday, obviously we had a day off, which was great because I was able to recover a little bit. I was able to start eating again. Um, but the damage had kind of already been done as far as like my, not only my placings, like I struggled on Wednesday, I had a lot of very poor events. Uh, and then by Friday, you know, we had a couple events, I made up some ground, had some good performances, but still just wasn't feeling myself, uh, which obviously is really frustrating as an athlete, but yeah, so I ended up, I got cut Saturday morning, uh, when we did the last event, the run toast to bar. Um, so yeah, last year was definitely, I would say not ideal. Yeah, it's. And I don't think people realize this when you're live at the games, you don't get a lot of information about what's going on. The cool no. part is you get to write your own story because you're watching the event. You can watch who you want to watch, but when people disappear, you don't know why because yeah. you're not like watching the, the broadcast. Um, how excited are you to get back to the games after that last year? I mean, honestly, I think, every game strip is really special, you know, like for all their own reasons, like the first qualification is obviously something incredibly special and kind of incredibly grained in my mind, just like getting there for the first time. And every other game strip has been special for other reasons, you know, whether different phases of life, different memories at the competition executions, like, you know, all these things. Um, but this one definitely, I would say kind of just means the most to me personally, um, because I was really nervous after last year um, just because Last year at the games, Wes was like, my son Wes was like 10 months old. So he was still kind of mostly a baby. Like he was crawling, he was dabbling and walking. Um, but I knew that like, you know, this year was going to be very different. You know, like my life was going to look very different. I was going to be under a lot more, you know, albeit beautiful stress of being a dad, you know, being like being, you know, chasing a toddler around. Like, you know, life is just, there's a lot more on the table now than there has been in any year past. 
Um, so to be able to kind of maintain my focus and, you know, balance these priorities of being a father, running a gym, being an athlete, like to be able to kind of keep those balls in the air, um, father and partner, of course, to my wife, um, I put those in the same bucket. Um, one of the most photogenic games athletes, my son or, um, <laughs> but no, so, um, I appreciate that though. But yeah, so I mean, this year just means the most on a personal level, because again, I feel like I really lived out my values the last 12 months. Like I feel, you know, obviously we can always be better. Like, I feel like, you know, I always feel like I could be better as a dad. I could be better as a partner. You know, you can be better as an athlete, but I feel like I really gave the things that I told myself I would give my highest priorities. And I did that. Like I, I, gave absolutely everything to my wife, to our family, to my son, to be the most present dad possible, to spend as much time with him as I could, to try and, you know, teach him, you know, the values that I live by, obviously not by telling him, but by showing him and like him seeing these things as much as he can see them, obviously, you know, he's almost two now. Um, so I think this one just means a lot more because I feel like the impact of the last 12 months of my life has been the most significant, you know, as far as how I've been able to impact my son, impact, you know, myself as a person kind of, you know, through growth that way. Um, so this one, you know, I'm very excited for the trip itself, but I'm mostly just excited that, you know, again, kind of the, the values and the journey led me back here. Um, you know, just being honest, I didn't know if it would be enough. Like the field's only getting younger. I'm only getting older. You know, I, my responsibilities are only growing. A lot of these younger guys, their responsibilities are, little to non-existent um you know so it, it's there was definitely some questions in my mind throughout the year of like am i good enough am i doing enough but again like i stayed true to my values and i'm just really excited that everything kind of came full circle and i was able to make it back um and definitely you know i've i've felt the most mentally assured that i've ever felt competing just because i think my confidence in who i am as a person is that it's at an all-time high because i identify as a father and a husband i don't identify as an athlete as much anymore um, while obviously I, I do identify as an athlete, like, you know, I, I know that what matters at the end of the day is not the CrossFit games, you know, like, obviously it's a huge piece of my life. I've devoted so much time to it. Like I want to excel. Like I want to go and I want to perform my best. I want, you know, I want my best finish. I want all these things. Like they obviously mean a lot to me, but they don't mean as much as these other things. And I think, you know, having that understanding and having it be actually like genuine and true. Like I, I really, I feel those things. I'm not, you know, they're not just words. Um, it allows me to feel a lot more free than I've ever felt competing because again, it's like, I'm just out here to have, to be myself, to show off my hard work and to execute, you know, the leaderboard doesn't stress me out as much as it used to. Like, you know, again, at the end of the day, I, I know that I'm going to come home and I'm going to be a happy guy with so many things going for him that I truly love. Um, so, you know, I think, and that just gives me, yeah, like the Granite Games was just the best I've ever felt competing. And even the last chance qualifier, very similarly. Like it was, I was all cards on the table. Like it's going to be what it's going to be. I wasn't overly stressed about the outcome of the weekend. Obviously I was, was stressed, but like, you know, I was like, I'm going to do what I can do. And if it's enough, it's enough. And I really hope it is. But if it's not, my life is going to go on. Um, and I think that attitude can possibly make me very dangerous, um, you know, kind of when the games come around. And I'm really excited to see, just to kind of see how that plays out. So a couple quick things. Um, first, you said the phrase dabble and walking. I love that. That <laughs> sounds like what I would be after eight beers in on the golf course. That's also fair. <laughs> uh, two, uh, I met your dad at Granite Games. He said some really nice things to me that touched my heart very much. And I can see what you get from him. At, at Did he... How was he as an example, as a father that you have kind of moved toward with your son? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, both my, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have a really great relationship with both my parents. Um, I'm incredibly thankful for my upbringing. Like they, they instilled in me a lot of things that I didn't realize until obviously I became a father. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, without getting overly emotional, um, I have a very good relationship with my dad and the, the things that he taught me and like kind of continues to teach me, um, about being a dad and kind of what it means and like things like that, the way that I see ice, man, um, the way that I shit, um, you know, like the way that I see him support me now and like being able to mirror those moments with my own son and kind of like just seeing it from both sides. Like I see now, like I, I think the sun and rainbows shine out of my son's asshole. And I definitely see how my dad, he views me the same way still, you know, like, like it's, it's that like unconditional love support that you knew you, I knew I had growing up, but you don't really kind of feel it in the same sense as like a man until you have a son and you see, like, you feel those same things, you know, you see, I see West succeed, obviously at very, quote unquote trivial things now like remembering certain colors and being able to name certain things and like using new words appropriately and like lifting his d-ball for the first time like you see these like you see him struggle to pick up we have a 10 pound d-ball in the basement and like you see him struggle to pick it up and like i keep working with him it's like hey like no like try this try this and like then he does it and now we can do it all the time so it's like just seeing those little things and like being so genuinely excited about them is like wild and obviously like being able to know that that's the perspective that my parents have is like very cool just to kind of like that full circle experience um but yeah i mean i am very lucky to have a very supportive you know kind of family unit and like i said i'm eternally grateful for for what my my parents were able to give me you know just as a person and also you know just to kind of the, the appreciation of how, how much being a parent and how much being a father kind of really really means mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody can describe what parental love is. You can only experience it. And it turns us all into mush. Wait till you see your, your child start doing an athletic event or some kind of performance because you think you're nervous before you go and compete. It is like tenfold when it's your child doing anything. Oh, I can. Yeah. My dad is a, like, when I compete, my dad is a noticeably disheveled mess. Yeah. Um, like my mom, you know, like so at the Granite Games, my mom and Wes and Caitlin, they were on the Jumbotron at various points. Like after I won the first event, they were up there. And my friends joked, they're like, where was your dad? And I'm like, he was anxiously pacing the length of the stadium. Like, mm-hmm. like he was, he was unable to contain himself. Cause like when I compete, he, his coping mechanism is anxious pacing and cheering, you know, like it's, and it was saying last chance qualifier, same thing. My parents were up for the weekend and like, he, like I, you see him in photos after, obviously I don't see it when it's happening, but like after the fact, he's like pacing in the background of a video, like a caged animal. And like, he's like photos, like just like white knuckling a water bottle that he found somewhere. Cause he's like just stressed to the max and like obviously wanting it to go well. So yeah, it's, it's wild. So Kat, can you pull up the Castro question? So this is going to be your first games without Dave Castro doing the programming. Yeah. Crazy. You've gotten a taste of it through the last chance qualifier, which many athletes 
will not have had unless yeah. they tested it themselves. Are you excited about what new could be coming or are you nervous about what new could be coming? Um, I would say as an athlete indifferent, because when you show up, all that matters is the workout in front of you. It doesn't matter who wrote it. It doesn't matter if it's hard or easy. It doesn't matter if it's wheelhouse or not. Like you show up to take the test. And, you know, I think when you kind of, as an athlete, you have to relinquish any sense of control that you have whatsoever and live in the moment. Um, so as an athlete, it doesn't make a difference to me as a fan, uh, of the sport, which obviously I am as well, super intrigued. Um, because, you know, I think Boz seems to have a somehow more classic spin on CrossFit than Dave did. And like, obviously Dave stuck to the core tenets of CrossFit a lot. Um, but Boz seems to be really into like the classic couplets, triplets, like I'm sure he's obviously testing out of the box at the games as well, but I don't know. I'm, 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 I don't know how that plays out from, from a game's perspective, because obviously, you know, we've seen Boz's programming for earlier stages. We haven't seen it obviously for a games and I'm sure he has unique twists and things like that that he's thinking of. Um, but I also think that, yeah, like he's going to, whether intuitively or not, he's going to want to make his stamp on the games, you know, like it's his first year programming. Like he's going to want to, he's going to want to wow people in, you know, whether, but I don't know, does that mean that he wows us with his simplicity? Like, or does it mean that he wows us with, Oh, I know Boz loves handstands. I can't, I'm hoping Boz is all about the handstand this year. We haven't done enough if you ask me. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I, I'm, I'm curious as a fan, but I also, you know, some of the things they've teased, like possibly a pool would be really cool. Um, I've never done a swim event in a pool as an athlete. Like I've obviously done work. I've done training workouts in a pool. Um, so I think that would be really fun, really different. Um, I mean, that element specifically, like I feel like the swims we always do are just stupid tests of, an, of not stupid tests of endurance, but like it's like, can you swim half a mile? And it's basically, can you swim half a mile plus or minus 200 meters every year? Like, you know, like there's not a lot of variance in the swim test as far as like, can you swim under fatigue in a CrossFit workout? Can you, you know, like we don't see that. And like, I guess I'm partially hoping I'm like, yeah, if Boz does like a pool workout, that would be really cool and something different. Like as an athlete, I would love to tackle that test just for something different. Like I'd love to swim hundred repeats with XYZ movement in between, you know, like just as for variety in the test that you take, I think it would be cool. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely curious to see what he does. But like I said, as an athlete, I'm not focused on it at all. As a fan, I actually like the pool workouts better and I'm a former swimmer. So you can see like the, the stroke breakdown as other elements are introduced and it makes yeah. it more interesting to me to watch than just, out in the lake where you see eight white caps, seven blue caps and a pink cap. And you have no idea who's who. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, the fan experience will probably be much better as well, honestly. So mm -hmm. I'd love to see it. So you are part owner of forged by Zeus or the, and you've been following that program since the beginning. Uh, since 2015. So not since the beginning, I did have a different coach the first couple of years, uh, guy, Steven hit who owns industrious, uh, gyms out in Seattle. Um, but yeah, I've been with Dave since early 2015 and yeah, I mean, I've been with him for coming up on seven, eight years now. And I mean, we've got, we've 
developed a great relationship as friends, as coach athlete. Um, and I wouldn't, wouldn't change a dang thing. Um, yeah, I will definitely be seeing out the rest of my career and the rest of my life as a, as a gym owner and all those things, uh, you know, kind of with Dave. So it's, it's been awesome. It's yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I mean, I'm excited to, you know, one day maybe move into a more of a coaching role. Like, you know, when I'm done competing, like we have a handful of semifinal level athletes, you know, and I'd love to be more involved with them. Um, you know, I think it would be a lot of fun to try and share some of the competition specific experiences as far as, uh, you know, competition prep, you know, fueling between workouts, the mental aspects of competing year round, what that does to people, all that. Um, I'm looking forward to doing more of that when the time comes uh, through Forge by Zeus with Dave. Um, and yeah, Kat, I did dabble in grid and that's actually how I met Dave. So back when the, when grid was a thing, I was on the brawlers and Dave was one of the coaches and that's kind of how we got, how we got introduced uh, was kind of through that. So <clears throat> do you have, do you have athletes under you that are doing forged by Zeus or D under Dave that are also going to the games? Not to the or games this either. year. Yeah. So we had, Th uh, three individuals at semis in addition to myself this year. Um, so like we, he definitely has other semifinal level athletes. Uh, he coaches them directly, but we do follow the same program, um, you know, obviously remotely, but there are other people that I'm, you know, kind of fighting with, I would say like fighting and training with year round. Um, so even though I do train alone all the time, uh, it's definitely, yeah, my buddy, Chris Clyde, he's the man. Um, he's on, he's one of our coaches as well. And he writes one of our uh, programming tracks for Forge by Zeus. And he's also a, a legit athlete in his own respect. He missed out the games by two spots in the masters 35 to 39 this year in the semis. Um, but yeah, so we have a handful of semifinal athletes and we've had more in the past. Um, you know, obviously some have moved on, um, you know, to other things or just kind of, you know, left CrossFit, things like that. Um, but yeah, you know, we've, we've got a handful of athletes that compete and follow my program as well. Um, and then obviously we write programs for your kind of your normal gym goers as well. Like we write programs for 60 minute training a day, things like that. Um, is in addition to obviously our, our games program. Well, we were right up against the hour this time flew by today. Like I looked <laughs> up and we were 45 minutes in, um, one quick question, your, your game shirts to help you, pay for oh, your yeah. way to Madison are the freaking coolest. I got to So I've been working with a woman page. Uh, she's been designing shirts for our gym and for myself for years now. And this is definitely my favorite iteration of any shirt we've ever done. Uh, it's pretty dope. And yeah, if you want to check, check them out, they're in the link in my Instagram bio. Uh, you can order shirts. Obviously everything goes to support the trip to the games. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty sweet. It's got a, a big number six with a T-Rex kind of punching through breaking the, breaking the number out. So it's pretty awesome. I'm really excited about them. Yeah. I didn't know if cat could pull that up or not. Uh, it may be too late to get that over to us. I should have warned her ahead of time, but yeah, uh, go support Tim, buy a shirt. They're really cool. Uh, it's like Jurassic Park meets Viking. <laughs> yeah, very perfect. Thank you. Um, and so, Tim, we are so stoked for you. Uh, I have been a fan for a long time. You're one of the original Clydesdales, um, and so we love we love our Clydesdales out there. And if people don't know, Tim is. I think you said on Savon you were six two, and now you're six foot. Yeah, I, right now I'm floating about six feet tall, 210 pounds, which is the smallest I've ever been competing. And yeah, I was 6'2 when I started CrossFit, but all of the lifting and spinal compression, I'm basically barely six feet tall now. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he is a Clydesdale. You're still a Clydesdale. And we will support you at the games. And we can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much for jumping on. Tell your wife we said hi. 
and uh, we'll see you in Madison. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.